I have mentioned before that when I was in college, I spent one semester working at a national laboratory outside Chicago. That was the first time I had lived outside the state of Alabama. And my first two weeks in Chicago were rather bizarre. I could not understand anybody when they spoke to me. Midwesterners speak at a faster speed than we do in the southern states. Oh, okay, that's just Chicago, not the Midwest. Well, around Chicago, they talk too fast. And around Chicago, they talk too fast. And I can tell somebody three or four times, please slow down so I can understand you, and I still couldn't understand what they were saying. I know they all thought I was a hick. I know that's what they thought. And in my time in Chicago, I also discovered that food is a little different. Where I was raised, Taco Bell was Mexican and Olive Garden was Italian. That's not the case in Chicago. I ate Persian food and Thai food for the first time. You don't have that in Birmingham. You don't. And so I was, I was experiencing these new things. But I craved home. I wanted home. Once a Southern Belle, always a Southern Belle. I found myself listening to country music stations. Now, I did not listen to country when I lived in Alabama. I was in high school in the 80s, so I listened to the 80s. I didn't start listening to country until I was in Illinois, which is a little strange. But I think what it was is that I was craving the Southern drawl. I was craving the accent. I wanted to virtually be in relationship with people who sounded like me, who talked the way I did. I wanted the familiar. We face different fears when we go to new places. When we go someplace new, there's, there's going to be a new cuisine, new streets, new customs, new people. Everybody in this room knows that Texas has a culture all of its own. But when we go to new places, it can bring about fear. Sure, we're excited, but maybe we fear the new or the different or the unknown or those unspoken rules you just don't know about. In our scripture this morning, we find the Israelites in fear while they are in a new place. Last week, we talked about God calling Moses and telling Moses to go and get my people out of Israel, out of Egypt. The Israelites had been in Egypt enslaved for a little over 400 years. And God said, okay, time. We're going to take them out. So Moses goes to Egypt, and after a series of conversations with Pharaoh, Pharaoh agrees, okay, let the people go. So in one night, in one night, Moses leads 600,000 Israelites out of slavery through the Red Sea and into the wilderness. We call that event the Exodus. And now the people are in the wilderness, and when they first get there, they're happy about it. They're joyful, they sing, they dance. But that soon gives way to fear. Their first fear is that we're not going to have enough water. So God miraculously turns bitter water into sweet. Takes water that's not drinkable and makes it drinkable. Their second complaint is in what Dave just read to us. They're getting hungry. They're getting hungry and they are in fear of starving. And they say, you should have just left us in Egypt because at least then we had bread. But they were slaves in Egypt. 
sometimes the new and the unknown is so fearful that we want to go back, even though it's something we really shouldn't go back to. I read this quote this week from a commentary. Looking back and yearning for the past sometimes seem better than taking risks and moving into a new future. Looking back and yearning for the past sometimes seems better than taking risks and moving into a new future. Sometimes it's easier to go with the comfortable and the known than to take the risk of moving forward. For the better part of this year, I have been in conversation with many individuals in this congregation about long-term visioning goals for this church, of where we want to have this church go. But we have not yet sat down all together and listened to each other and talk about it. And so that's what we're going to do on Saturday. We're going to gather and we're going to talk about the church's strengths, the church's weaknesses, our passions, our values, our fears, opportunities in the community. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk about that. And it's going to be the first of two workshops, we believe. And we're going to start listening and listening. And the question we want to answer is this. Who is God calling this church to be? Who is God calling this church to be? It's going to be a true discernment process. But I have a fear. I have a fear. I have a fear that I'm going to do it wrong. I have a fear that I'm going to lead this congregation in the wrong direction. I have a fear that I'm going to set this congregation up for failure. A colleague said to me this week something that's absolutely marvelous. I was sharing with her my fear. This fear of, of not hearing it right and getting it wrong and, and, and just going in the wrong direction. And we started talking about my leadership style and the process that we had been through in the past. The fact that I like to listen a lot. I listen to you. I listen to the community. I listen to the Holy Spirit. And we try to find that place where the church's passions line up with the needs in the community. And we find that slice right there. And that's where we go. That's where our current vision statement came from. That's where the mission of the month came from. That's where Seven Loaves East, the monthly food pantry, came from, was finding that place, passion, and the need met. And my colleague said to me, Katie, you need to set aside that fear because you're not going to get it wrong for two reasons. I don't lead by pulling everybody along behind me. Instead, I walk beside. But it's also because I listen. The vision of this church is not my decision to make. It's your decision to make. And it's my job to listen. listen. The, Israelites thought, the Israelites said, we're hungry. We're hungry. And God provided for them manna. In the evening, the quail would come. And in the morning they would get up and when the dew went away there would be these flakes all over the ground. Scripture describes it as white flakes that look like coriander seed and taste like honey. It was manna. Well, the word manna comes from the question that they ask right there in the Scripture. The Israelites say, what is it? Well, the Hebrew word for manna sounds a lot like the Hebrew question, what is it? 
That's where we get the word manna. God provided for them, but in a way they had never seen before. In a way nobody had ever seen before. In a way nobody has ever seen since. Sometimes God provides for us in unexpected ways. Sometimes God provides for us in things that just don't look like anything we would have expected. Sometimes God provides for us in ways that nobody else has ever seen. This church had never had a female pastor before. And what you got was new, different, unusual, and completely unexpected. Right? What did Mike say? You got that right. You got that right. This church had never had a plan to have a mission every month. This church had not had a billboard, a website, a Facebook address, a food pantry, or an all-age confirmation class. And look at what's going on here in this church now. Look at the blessing this church is into this community. Look at the witness this church is to God's love in Jesus Christ. Sometimes God provides in an unexpected way. As we talk together about a long-range vision for this church, we have to be willing to take risks. That's called experimentation. It's called experimentation. When we say, okay, let's give this a try. When we try something new, something we haven't thought of. When we take something old and change it into something that we haven't thought of before. I'm not talking about reinventing the wheel. I am not in favor of reinventing the wheel. I'm in favor of finding the wheel that fits the people, this place, at this time. Now that wheel may need a little revision, a little tweaking. But we have to have the courage to take a risk. We have to have the courage to experiment a little bit. Moses says to the Israelites, In the evening you will see that the Lord is the one who took you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord. That man and that quail. The glory of the Lord. Well, the Israelites experienced the glory of the Lord every day for 40 years. They ate quail and manna every day for 40 years. I, I have trouble with leftovers, much less eating the same thing every single day. But they experienced a miracle every day, did they not? And that wasn't the only miracle that they experienced in those 40 years. Did I say 40 days or 40 years? Years? Did I say years? Thank you very much. 40 years. They would witness the cloud descending on the mountain as the Lord talked to Moses. They would experience the Lord carving onto stone, writing down the law that they were then going to need to abide by. They would experience water being called forth from a rock. They experienced miracle after miracle after miracle. This summer, back in July, if you can believe it, I passed out little prayer cards for the church to have. Those of you who got the limited bulletins we had this morning have this in your bulletin. I asked the congregation to take this home, to tape it up in a place where you have your daily activities, like the, the bathroom mirror, the refrigerator, the coffee pot, on your steering wheel, someplace where you were going to see it. 
And I asked the congregation to pray this prayer, and I said, you will not believe the power that happens when a whole congregation says the same prayer together every day. There's no pastor who truly believes a congregation is going to do what they ask them to do. They don't exist. I honestly thought that those cards were going to end up in the trash, that they were going to get lost, that they weren't going to get used. I love the way you surprise me. I love the way you surprise me. I ask you to pray that prayer for two months, but yet in the past three weeks, four or five of you have said to me, oh, I prayed that prayer today. I walked by the refrigerator, I saw the card, and I prayed that prayer today. I saw it still hanging on my bathroom mirror. You're still praying that prayer, and what's more than that, you are telling me that the prayer works. This church is not the same place it was three months ago. It's not the same place it was two months ago. This is an, this is an exciting time to be at this church. Exciting time. And you're still praying that prayer. But it's more than that. You are seeing the results and you're naming it. You're naming it. You're saying God is good. You are seeing the glory of the Lord that the Israelites saw. And so I'm going to ask you to take these prayers home. Those of you who weren't here in July or those of you who have misplaced it, whatever, take the cards home with you and keep praying this prayer because the prayer is working. And here's the kicker. Watch for the results. And when you see this prayer working, name it. Call it for what it is and say, see, there's Jesus. See, there's the Holy Spirit. Name it and claim it. In the scripture passage that we have today, that Dave read, it says that everyone collected the manna. And those who collected more didn't have too much. And those who collected less still had enough. Everybody collected what they needed. All were cared for and all had what they needed. I said earlier that my fear is leading this church wrong. Doing it wrong, taking us down the wrong path, setting us up for failure. What I said was, I need to set that fear aside and realize that my job is to listen. What does that mean your job is? It's your job to talk. It's your job to voice your passions, your values, your loves, your fears, your strengths, your weaknesses. It's your job to say, this is my dream. This is my dream. Imagine if the church looked like this in five years. That's your job. Now, some people in this room are going to talk more than others, and some people are going to have their thoughts and, and feelings voiced by someone else, and some people are going to feel like, but I don't have anything to contribute. I don't have anything to say. Well, let me tell you, every voice matters. Every thought matters. Now, if you can't be here on Saturday, I get that, but if you want to call me and talk to me and tell me what your thoughts are, if you want to call Dave Pikarski and tell him what your thoughts are, Please do so. We want to hear, and both of us will listen, and we will listen well. Because this visioning process is not my process. It's the church's process. It is your process. Claim it. Name it. And be a part in it. In the Gospel of John, chapter 6, 
Jesus says, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. He didn't say that by mistake. Everybody in that audience would have thought of this story of the manna. Every one of them would have gone to it. Jesus was directly tying himself to the story of the manna. God provided for the Israelites when they were scared and when they were hungry with manna. God provides for us when we are in a new place, scared and hungry with God's only Son, Jesus Christ. The Israelites experienced God's providence in a way that no one had ever seen before. We experience God's providence by accepting Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior. We experience the providence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit moves us and talks to us and we discern through the Holy Spirit where it is that we're supposed to go and where we're supposed to be. God exceeded the expectations of the Israelites. And the good news the people of God can dream and hope for great Things, great things from a God who loves and cares for them. Great things in a tiny church. Just as God provided for the Israelites with manna, God provides for Community United Methodist Church as we move forward in faith. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.